1: podcast i'm your host connor livesey and i guess this is joey's first time on the talking the star podcast he's been talking the draft but uh we are transitioning over from the draft to the star as the draft is over with and we're coming up on rookie mini camp we're coming up on training camp so we are all cowboys related from this point on joey what's it like to be on talking the star not talking the draft anything
2: changing for you I mean, the uh, the furniture still feels the same and the uh, the surroundings still look mostly the same. We just uh, changed change the sign on the door, I think. So it feels, uh, feels good, you know, uh, enjoyed talking the draft with you and it's going to be fun to get into the season as we go as well.
1: Yeah, and uh, what we're going to do, what kind of preview. So pretty much every episode from this week on, we're going to kind of preview some position groups. Um, obviously, we've got the schedule coming out tomorrow. So there's going to be a lot of schedule talk coming up. We're not going to step on anybody's toes there. So we're going to start it off today, just keep it short and sweet with talking about the quarterback and running back position group for the Cowboys as we kind of look forward to training camp. Um, so each week, we're going to go through either one or two position groups. Obviously, we, we might split some of these episodes in half uh, if we have a lot more things to discuss and talk about. But today, it's just going to be quarterbacks and running backs um as we kind of get you prepared for the schedule release coming up tomorrow and then uh as we look forward to training camp that's really not that far uh from us so um let's start with these quarterbacks Joey we got an absolutely brutal starter in Dak Prescott obviously you know we 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 we, we can't win games with them obviously so it's it's tough to really get ex but so except just kidding um <laughs> obviously there's people who feel that way which is absurd to me but uh the position hasn't changed a whole lot from where it was last year, so that's why it's going to be a little – I think this position group's going to be a little brief to touch on. But Dak Prescott, you know, is a starter. we got Cooper Rush as the backup, and then Will Greer's the third string. I think the only thing that maybe surprises us a little bit is they didn't draft or really bring a guy in an undrafted free agency. And that was a position that we had talked about and it was rumored that they were really interested in adding to this draft. So what, what's your thoughts there at that position group?
2: Yeah, I mean – we sort of joked before we got started, right? You know, quarterback is a pretty easy position. Yeah, you know, Dak Prescott's really good. Okay, next. Like, but, but yeah, I mean, Dak is really good. And the 2022 season, he threw a lot of interceptions. And there's a lot of reasons why he threw a lot of interceptions. Um, not all of those were his fault, obviously. And even the ones that you look at and say, okay, that's on the quarterback you know, there's some, there's a lot of gray area in a lot of that stuff. And so for a guy who throughout his career has not been turnover prone, a lot of, there's going to be these outlier seasons, right? And so you should expect, just like we expect regression to the mean in other areas, you should expect when you've got six years worth of evidence that a guy is not a big turnover guy, you should expect that to come back to earth this coming up year. So I, I don't think the interceptions should be something we're overly concerned about going forward, and I think he had something like 500 dropbacks last year, and he threw 15 interceptions. So we're talking about three percent of the passing place. Right, <laughs> he threw an interception on, and so like we don't need to overweight that three percent when we have this conversation. But uh, but yeah, that's really been the story this year for Dak. Is can he make the interceptions go away, and can he play a little bit better? uh in those situations and avoid those turnovers and allow, uh, allow his talent and the offense and the, uh, the defense to continue to, uh, push the team forward. And so because you have a really, really, really good starting quarterback who consistently posts numbers in the, in the same realm with a lot of the guys we talk about as, you know, these elite, elite guys, um, when you have that guy your baseline for your team if there's not a disaster is something like 10 or 11 wins and that's what that's why we talk about the Cowboys this year or every year as being contenders to win the NFC East and being contenders to make the playoffs and that's why we're able to judge them on how they perform in the playoffs is because having a quarterback like Dak Prescott that's your baseline so high that there's nothing else for you to judge them off of really and so you know cooper rush is cooper rush right he he's if he gets really great play around him and he can just sort of settle into making the plays that are there but not having to force anything, he'll be all right um, yeah. w- w- will greer I think is their their ceiling play at this point, and I think in the draft the the quarterback run on that second group of quarterbacks sort of happened a lot quicker than I think a lot of people were prepared for um, thank goodness. Yeah, and it, it happened to Dallas, right? All those guys went, and all of a sudden they're looking around going, well, we were going to take a quarterback this draft, but all the ones we would have taken were gone by the fourth end of the fourth round or something like that, so we're, we're not going to push it. And so thank goodness they didn't, and they didn't even, like you said, they didn't even sign one really in undrafted free agency, even though they have one coming in for a, uh, for a tryout for the uh, mini camp, which, you know, you got to have a quarterback to practice, right? So they they right. needed somebody. But uh, but yeah, it, the quarterback position in Dallas has been incredibly stable for the last, you know, what, six years like that, something like that, between with Dak and then Cooper Rush has been here most of that time and, um, you know, had Andy Dalton come in for a season. And, you know, but it, it's been very stable. The Cowboys are extremely fortunate in their quarterback situation for – you know going on you know a decade and a half or something like that now when you go back to uh, to Tony Romo from 06 to 2014 or something
1: yeah no and, and i mean honestly i was kind of stunned about the how much talk the quarterback position was getting in this draft cycle cuz it's like you know i feel like Cooper Rush is a relatively solid you know i don't think he's as good as a lot of people think he is and you know i think he's a solid backup quarterback they like you said can perform well if the situations around them are, are pretty good and um you know he can he can be that bus driver to win you a couple games if you need and um I think he does a good job at that and then you know I think Will Greer offers that ceiling play at backup quarterback where if you you know you kind of aren't getting that play out of Cooper Rush you think you can you can turn to him so that's why I just I guess I was a little surprised that the draft you know was was so centered around maybe taking a quarterback you know late uh, you know, early or late, really on day three. I mean, I know there was some talk about them maybe using their fourth round pick on a guy. So that that was a little bit surprising to me, and I am glad that the run happened because it would have been, you know, we weren't we didn't love this draft by any means, but like it definitely would have soured even more if they would have picked a uh, Aiden O'Connell or Clayton Tune in the fourth round. Um, that would have that would have made it a little bit tougher, I think. So, I think this position group's set up to succeed. Um, you know, Dax, my biggest thing with Dak and it's you know whether you want to call it prone or not is he's just got to get over that freak injury bug that he's had the last couple years I mean we almost forget that he missed games last year because of the broken thumb because it happened so early but you know if he can he can get over that and just you know stop missing those four or five games a year whatever that is I mean we know he had the ankle injury and then the shoulders issues and now we had the, the hand issue last year. Like I would love for him to just have that 17, 18, 19 game season where he just stays healthy, doesn't miss any time, and he's able to build that consistency and and uh play that full year of just you know top 10, 5 to 11 quarterback ball that we've seen him do so often. Um, and like I said, that's just the only question I have about that quarterback room is can Dak show, come back and show that he can play that full season healthy. And, and the crazy thing is that it hasn't been the knee injuries or the back injuries or the shoulder, like he had a shoulder injury, but it's not something reoccurring. It's just been like the freak injury that's kind of killed him these last couple of years. And if he can avoid that in 2023, I think this team's got a really good chance to make one of its longer and bigger runs that it's had in, in some time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you back up big picture on the quarterback position and really on a football team as a whole, like. The conversation is, can you build a good enough team around a quarterback to where if he goes on a three or four game heater at the right time of year, you have the best team in football? And 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 then do you have a quarterback capable of going on one of those heaters and running through a three or four game schedule in January against the best teams in the league? And the answer to that question is is absolutely yes. We've seen Dak go on these seven game heaters where this offense is just ridiculously unstoppable. Um, And, you know, and that's with, you know, with less dynamic talent at the running back position that we'll get to here, here in a minute and less, you know, less dynamic talent at wide receiver and, and all this other kind of stuff. We've seen him go on these runs where he's just unstoppable at the quarterback position. And, so there's and he showed in, you know, in Tampa Bay this year that he that the playoff stage and he did it against Green Bay in his rookie season. He played unbelievable in the players in the playoffs and the same thing against Seattle in 2018 and all these other things like he's shown the playoff stage is not too big for him. If he gets moderate play around him from most of the rest of his team, he is capable of going on a heater and taking this team where they want to go and uh, and. When he plays at his best, he plays there, – there's only one quarterback in the league who's better than him when he's at his best. Like I firmly – that may be a strong take for a lot of people, but when he's at his best, there's only one quarterback in the league better than him, and that's Pat Mahomes. Uh, I, he can, I don't he, disagree. Yeah, he can play – he plays at the level, and all the advanced metrics show it. He plays at relatively the same level as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen and – most of the advanced metrics are better than Justin Herbert's just because of the situation that Herbert's been in but we understand the talent is ridiculous there and and all those sorts of things so basically the cowboys are in an incredible position at the quarterback spot and as long as he doesn't you know try to throw a Hail Mary on the second day of camp and Oops. pull a muscle in the back of his shoulder or you know hit his hand on a helmet in a while he's trying to make some crazy play in a, in a week one game that's getting away from you um, and break his thumb or, or something like that. I mean, he, as long as he's playing, this team has an incredible offense and that's, it's just the truth of the matter. And so they, they have added talent around him on the offensive side of the ball this year in an effort to get more dynamic and they will, uh and with that in place, there's zero reason to not feel full confidence in Dak Prescott as your quarterback now and for as long as they can keep him under contract.
1: Yep. Uh, there's no reason for me to add to that because I pretty much feel the same exact way. So let's get into this running back room that I think has a little bit more more to touch on. Um, obviously, no, no surprises. Tony Pollard listed as your starter. Um, you know, obviously recovering from – The uh, foot injury that he suffered, um, ankle injury that he suffered towards the end of the year there. So hopefully he comes back good from that. But um, Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, Ronald Jones, Rico Dowdle, and Hunter Lepke are the other names listed in that running back room. This one's, like I said, a little bit interesting. We've, and and I don't, I hate to buy into this too much right now, but like we've actually heard them mentioned, you know, I, I don't see. Ezekiel Elliott returning and playing with the Cowboys, but that's continued to be rumored around. Um, we heard, you know, Nate Tice mentioned that like he'd like to see Dallas go out and make a run at Dalvin cook or Derek Henry, which I just, I, I don't want to do that either, but they seem to be keep coming up in these running back edition rumors that are kind of floating around. So maybe there's another name that will be added to that group. Um, but for now, let's just talk about the guys here and kind of the way we see this thing playing out um as we head to camp um obviously if Tony Pollard's healthy he's going to be the guy what do you think behind him we're going to be looking at this year as far as you know that second compliment role to him and then you know your goal line guy you know there's so many different roles to fill now that you feel like you didn't have to worry about for years in the past because Ezekiel Elliott was your starter and Tony Pollard was your compliment but now that those roles have kind of flipped and Ezekiel Elliott isn't here Where do you kind of see things, you know, working out as we uh, get to Oxnard?
2: Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work the running back position is going to be really interesting because I don't think they want to give Tony Pollard 22, 25 touches in a game, Um, which means that if, if let's say there, you know, there's 65 or 70 offensive plays in a game between carries and receptions for running backs, there's probably 30 of those 30 to 32 of those are, are running back related touches. So that means there's, 12 to 15 running back touches available <laughs> with if you if you say you're going to give tony pollard you know 18 to 20 of those touches between carries and catches you know that leaves you know a dozen to 15 that's a lot of touches <laughs> for for a room that you don't feel like has you know there's not anybody you know there's not a name there you know ronald jones is the name and deuce vaughn with the draft story and hunter lepke's the undrafted free agent that cat but We, we don't really know how these touches are going to be split at this point. And so I think it's very likely they carry more running backs than they have in the past. Um, And I think it's also likely that we see, or, and because of that, we're going to see way more running backs get on the field. And, and I think that it's like, you know, because it's one of those, do you want to give, you know, 10 touches to Deuce Vaughn and then save, you know, four short yardage and goal line carries for Hunter Lepke or somebody like that. And then that's your running back rotation. Maybe. I mean, that, um, that would work for me, but, uh, but do they feel like they can give that much to Deuce Vaughn right away? A lot of this is going to shake out in camp and in the preseason games um, just because, you know, it's going to have to, because there's not somebody, I mean, unless they are way higher on Ronald Jones than, you know, I am or somebody like that, then who knows? Because to me, Ronald Jones is James Washington, right? He's, you know, um, Daryl Worley. He's, you know, he's the guy who comes in, who's a little bit of a name enough to know, okay, this is your floor at this position. Like if if I don't
1: don't even know if I'd give him that. Cause like, if you ask me right now, if Ronald Jones makes the
2: 53, I'd say probably not. And that's what I was getting at, essentially, is that I think that it's very likely that some combination of, you know, we can read off five or six of these names, right? Rico Dowdle, Malik Davis, Deuce Vaughn, Hunter Lepke, you know, we could keep going. Um, That two or three of those guys are going to be better than Ronald Jones enough to make it worth just moving off from Ronald Jones and running with the young guys behind Tony Pollard. And I, I think that's probably the most likely outcome. And I think that's probably the 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 right outcome for it too, and the most prudent outcome, just in terms of, yeah, okay, you're paying Tony Pollard $11 million this year, basically or $10 million this year. But if you're pay if your other three running backs are essentially former sixth round picks and undrafted free agents, like okay, your running back room as a whole is a lot more affordable and a lot better than if you're paying, you know your second running back $5 million, or you have a second round pick as your second running back or something like that. Um, And the thing about running back is if you get to camp and Ronald Jones is bad and so are all the young guys running back is a position that like, you can go to the street in September and find a guy who could come in and carry the ball. Yes, exactly. Or, you know, you mentioned Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, like if they get, We're almost to June first here. Like, so if they can't find a a trade partner on one of those guys, do they just decide to move on? Do they just decide to say, okay, we're gonna fully rebuild in Tennessee? And we're gonna fully rebuild in or we're gonna rebuild the offense around the passing game in Minnesota and we don't want to pay Dalvin Cook this much money. We'll cut him on June the second and away we go we couldn't find a trade partner before the draft. Now we'll just hang on to him until after June, see if we can find a trade partner or see if somebody gets hurt early in camp and we can trade him. And if not, maybe we cut him at cut downs. And then that's when you go in and you swoop up a Dalvin cook who's right. not subject to waivers and you can pay him very little and, Bring him in and now all of a sudden your running back room looks completely different, right? Or Derrick Henry, the same thing. I don't know that Tennessee would do the same move, would just release Derrick Henry, but you you the the idea is the same, is that running backs are there. You can go to Home Depot or 7-Eleven and pick up a running back who's capable of carrying the ball eight to ten times in an NFL game on a Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's my, you know, I I did a way too early 53-man roster just right after the draft. I was like, this is kind of how I could see things playing out. And people freaked out when I left Ronald Jones off. And I was like, I think you guys are losing your minds over this guy. You know, like, I, I, it's not – again, if you ask me today if he makes a roster, I'd say probably not because I think they're going to go – I think that whether it's a Deuce Ron Malik Davis – Rico Dowdle, Hunter Lepke, or they go, hey, yeah, you know, one of these guys got hurt, and, you know, what, a, Dowdle's struggling, like, cool, let's go bring in a, you know, a Marlon Mack, who's a free agent, let's bring in a Benny Snell, who's a free agent, who's more of that big body, you know, can can compliment Tony Pollard, there's, I mean, I just pulled it up, like, the The amount of running backs who are free agents right now who could probably come in and be starters for seventy percent of the league, or it's pretty crazy. So it's like, don't be in a panic, you know, to to feel like oh things aren't working out at running back. Like there's whether it's the guys on the roster or not, you're going to be fine there. Um, I mean, it's it's just the nature of the position right now. Um, Tony Pollard's going to receive probably seventy to eighty percent of the workload at running back, and whoever gets that other twenty or thirty percent is. You know, a split between a couple of guys. It's it's you know Hunter Lepke and short yardage and goal line. It's you know Deuce Vaughn getting those you know manufactured four or five touches a game to to help you know use his skill set. So I think that position's in relatively good shape. I think it's I think it's an interesting topic because of you know for some reason Tony Pollard, while he's not the short yardage guy that you know Zeke was for so many years you know, he's viewed as like a smaller back and he's not a small back. You know, he runs with some power. He runs with some juice. He's just not your, you know, six foot, 225 pound back by any means. But, um, Tony Pollard isn't your, you know, every, every down scat back. He's a actual starting caliber due to his size and metrics. Like he can be your Alvin Kamara. He can be You know, your even your Dalvin Cooks and stuff like that. So I I think a lot of people are worried about the running back position because they don't have that big body. But Tony Pollard's bigger than most people think he is. And he's better in some of those short yardage and goal line opportunities than I think some people he's not Zeke. He's not the bowling ball type that we've been so used to, but he's much better better than I think given credit for in some of those
2: situations that I think people are worried about. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, you know, and there's always the option. You can handle short yardage a lot of different ways, right? Like you can handle short yardage with quarterback sneak. You can handle short yardage with, um, with you know zone read type things. We've seen them do that before. You can handle short yardage with play action and throwing. You can handle short yardage a lot of different ways if they get into the season, and they struggle there. But like you said, Tony Pollard is a six foot two, two hundred pound running back. Like he's not a okay. small dude, and he has very good feet and feel in the um uh, in the uh they have very he has very good feel in the hole sorry my mind blanked on me there so we we're fortunate to have him be the guy who is also you know the dynamic runner who can make play make explosive plays in that he can make a guy miss in the hole and pick up a yard or two and he can also turn that one or two yard, third third and one, he can break that one and turn it into a 50 yard run also. And then there's, you know, Hunter Lepke's a bigger back, you know, Rico Dowell's not a small back. And then, like we said, you can always go out and grab these guys late in the year or late in the process if you if you need that help.
1: This makes no sense, but it's truly the way I feel like. I feel like Tony Pollard's height makes him, makes people think he's smaller than he is.
2: Because he's not. Yes, I think he, you're right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like that, Saying that, you're going, what the hell does that even mean? But it's like he's a taller back than most backs nowadays. Like I feel like most of your backs are five eleven, six foot. So he's got that additional, you know, two or three inches on these guys. So like he, he looks slender because he's longer and he's taller. But like, I mean, he's 200, like you said, he's 220 pounds. He's, he's still got, I mean, for so long people are like, oh, he's not built to be an every down back and it's like, Technically, he's bigger than most of the starting running backs in the NFL nowadays.
2: <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely a big dude. You know, we've seen him get some of those nicks and, and you know bruises and stuff like that when he right. carried extensive loads. Um, but he's it's not a it's not a a short yardage problem because of size for sure. And you know, most of these guys, if they're six foot, they're also two twenty, so they still carry yeah. that bulk he he happens to be 62 and 200 so he's about the same weight as you know a 511 running back would be right. but he just happens to be stretched out over 2 or 3 inches further and so he looks a little more narrow and then he gets out in the open field and he makes a guy miss and and takes off for a 50 yard gain and everybody assumes that that's got to be a small back to do that uh and that's uh that's not the case for him at all
1: like i know looking at it now like nfl.com's got him at 6 foot two twelve. He's listed at six one two oh nine on some sites. I think the team sites got him at. Let's see what the cowboy sites got him at. Um, yeah, but I mean, I just I think it's such an interesting conversation because it's, it's yeah they got him at six foot two oh nine too. So I mean he's he's not a what we consider. I mean Deuce Vaughn is a small back, you know like. Darren Sproles is what you would consider a small back. Tony Pollard really isn't that. He's just not your bowling ball figured guy that, you know, Zeke has been for so many years. But I think there's positives and negatives of that. And I think that the positives really outweigh the negatives. And, again, you can fill those – like you said, the short – if you're concerned about short yardage, then that's a good thing to be concerned about because you can you can use the quarterback sneak. You can use, you know, bringing – Hunter Lepke, and you can use using C. Lamb in the backfield to pick up two yards if you need. Like, if your biggest issue in the running back room is you don't have a guy that really excites you in short yard situations, your running back room is probably built pretty
2: good, (laughs) man. Yep, probably so.
1: All right, well, we're going to wrap it up with that today. It's a little bit quicker one. Um, We'll have a lot more to talk about as we kind of get – Next week's going to be busy, I know, because we got a rookie mini camp coming up this week, so we'll probably have a lot more things to touch on and and talk about. Like I said, we're going to keep knocking out these position groups as we, as we progress towards Oxnard. It's not far. I don't think they've released the, uh, the dates yet for when they'll be, um, in Oxnard this year. um, But it's normally, they normally get there what like the middle of August.
2: Last weekend, they, they usually get there like the last week in January or not January, July. What you the last week in July. Yeah. Yeah. And then get, they really get started practicing, you know, like that first week of August and then they, they have to practice, you know, all the rules about practicing without pads and all that kind of stuff have to right. do that for, you know, four or five days. And then, so yeah, about that, usually that late first week of August, early second week of August is when it really starts to ramp up. And then, you know, the, the preseason games start. It feels like a week after that, and then yeah. you know, before you know it, you're at the season in the middle of September.
1: Yep. Last year, the the first first padded practice at camp was August first. So we are little little under three three months away. So we'll have about six or seven shows, and then we'll we'll be getting into camp stuff, which will
2: be here before we know it. That's Not when we
1: started dra- our draft show. So we're, I was we're about say. at the point.
2: About the same number of shows before the season as we had before the draft. So, that worked.
1: Hey, man, that went by fast. So. Yes, it did. <laughs> well, cool. We will uh, be back next week, and we're going to recap some of the rumors and, and stuff we figure out from this rookie mini camp. I mean, they don't do a ton in rookie mini camp, but there seems to be a couple stories coming out of that. So, we'll talk about those next week. And we're going to move on to these wide receivers and tight ends that I know a lot of people are interested in hearing about and getting some some thoughts on. So, we'll be talking about that next week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you come back next week on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network on whatever blog uh, podcast platform you guys listen on um, Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, however you're listening. We're on there. Just search Blogging the Boys. Uh, subscribe to the channel, and you will get all our different shows from all our different voices and hear all our different opinions. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is the Talking the Star Podcast. See you guys next